0: I am here on a very, very warm November Monday after a very exciting weekend of football that included the number one Clemson Tigers going down in South Bend, Indiana. But in the National Football League, the only undefeated team remained undefeated. And two touchdown favorite, those Pittsburgh Steelers got a little bit of a scare from Texas Longhorn legend Jared Gilbert. Today's very, very Pittsburgh-centric episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast with a good, good friend from Twitter is coming up. But first, got to remind everyone, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, the YouTube video I'm working on about Daniel Jones is going to be done probably by tomorrow. We got content. I'll have a Rangers blog at some point probably tomorrow, too. It's been a busy Monday. But... Now that I have everyone's attention, those Pittsburgh Steelers, after being one of the most talented teams for most of this decade, they finally look like they might actually make it to an AFC title game and they could hold their own against who they could potentially play there. For all those years of the triple Bs, all those years of Antonio Brown leading the league in receiving and Le'Veon Bell winning everyone their fantasy leagues, they don't have a ton to show for it results-wise. But now... I think they have a decent chance in the AFC. I'll see you guys on the other side of the drop. So if you had no timeouts, here, this would be a point where you let them score if you're down. Small three, you're trying to protect them. touchdown. And with that, I welcome on a very good Twitter friend who is one of the like three Steelers fans I know. So I, I needed a little bit of a more in-depth opinion, someone who watches the team every single week and vigorously complains about the team, even though they're still 8-0. Hunter, how are we doing, bud?
1: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. You know, it's never a dull moment with the Steelers when they take five years off your life every Sunday, even though they're 8-0. So, uh, so let's
0: just get right into it. Like I said, during the introductory monologue, for most of this decade, the Steelers have had pretty talented teams that just for whatever reason, they weren't able to get there. In your opinion, what, was, what held the Steelers back from getting to that Patriots plane of existence of being a perennial Super Bowl contender, not just making the postseason every year and then getting to the second round? What, was, what
1: held them back? it was a multitude of things really, you know, some people want to blame it all on coaching. You know, I think that was part of it. You know, Mike Tomlin for some of those years did not, you know, some of his in-game management was not up to par as it usually was. Um, The defense was really bad. Um, You had Ross Cockrell starting at cornerback, Antoine Blake at times. Um, Sean Davis was your starting free safety. Now Minka Fitzpatrick is obviously there. And the secondary was just a giant mess. And I mean, that, that year that they should have went to the Super Bowl, I was just, I'll never forget that Jesse James play, of course, um, you know, that was the year, of course, that Shazier went hurt. And, you know, if it weren't for him getting hurt that year, I really do think they would have went all the way, but you know, you still have a weak secondary. Then you sign Sean Spence off the street and it's like, that's just not going to work. And then, you know, you have the Blake Bortles disaster and he just lights up the defense. Like he looks like a prime Tom Brady. So, I mean, like I said, the defense, I mean, Sometimes the play calling at times with Todd Haley was piss poor. I mean, he, him and Ben obviously did not get along. I mean, you saw a story after story each year about them just like just bumping heads. It sounds like just every week. Um, so, I mean, it was just a lot of things. You know, like I said, Mike Tomlin, you know, it's a lot of his in-game uh, coaching at times was just very piss poor, but you know, they're eight and now and um, they have a rock solid defense and, When the defense, when the offense wants to be consistent, you know, hopefully they can be if Randy Fechner actually stops coming out uh, being conservative all the time.
0: So do you think this is a case that the Steelers this year are kind of an addition by subtraction where they finally got rid of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon moved on, they fine-tuned what they needed. And that getting rid of very talented guys to find people who buy more into the whole team thing was helpful.
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, this team is the best team in the league, I think, at drafting wide receivers. Chase Claypool, who did have a very rough game yesterday, had a few very bad drops, which is very uncharacteristic for him. He's a rookie. He's going to continue to improve. And they can just spread the ball out to almost anyone they want. You know, it's not just, oh, Antonio Brown needs the ball. Just give it to him. You know, Juju the last three weeks, you know, after being quiet for a lot of the season, he's coming up with some really big catches and key moments. You know, the stats may not be there, but I will die on the Hill that he is an elite number two receiver. And you can make an argument that he's probably maybe a number one B wide receiver in this league. He's just, he's been great these last few weeks. And then, you know, when Deontay Johnson is on his game, you saw that yak that he had yesterday. He's, he's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. They can give it to James Washington. Like I said, Chase Claypool, they can move it around and you know, the running backs too. I mean, when James Conner is doing his thing, I know they didn't do it yesterday. He's a top 10 all-purpose back in football. I mean, he's not elite, obviously, but, I mean, he gets the job done. But, yeah, it's just they buy in more as a team. There's no dumb drama out there or anything like that. And, you know, when they have a great defense, and a lot of yesterday it didn't look like a great defense, um, it, they're just it, it makes the team just – so much better. And, you know, of course the biggest thing we haven't even talked about yet is Ben Roethlisberger because they don't go anywhere without him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was going to get to
0: the whole, what happened last year with them without how piss poor they were without Ben. But the last thing I wanted to broach on this subject was that, do you think that they are one of those teams that has a bad habit of playing down to their competition where we don't have to really worry about the Cowboys here? We're two touchdown favorites. We should be able to just go in and roll.
1: Yeah, that, that's a that's a staple of the Mike Tomlin era. I mean, a lot of times they would lose these games. You know, you think mm-hmm. back to the Mike Glennon uh, games. I think one of them was against the Bears. Uh, that was an overtime loss. And then the Buccaneers won a few couple of years before that. He drives them down the field, gets the game-winning touchdown. I think the Bears are like one in six or something. They win with like six seconds left. And then you have the Raiders games a couple of years ago. You had the Raiders game in 2009 when – Terrell Pryor somehow went off against them. So, I mean, I mean, I think also they had the Jets game when Michael Vick was the quarterback. That was, I think, 2013 or something like that. But yeah, they do this a lot under Mike Tomlin. But the difference has been these last three, four years, they're winning these games. They're not losing them. I'd rather win ugly than lose playing pretty well. I mean, especially against a bad Cowboys team. And, you know, you just – with these games, you win the game, you move on. You get another bad team coming to Pittsburgh next week. You've beaten the Bengals ten games in a row. They should wake up for that one. But, I mean, the next trap game will be be the week after, and that's Jacksonville because, I mean, they're tanking anyway. But it's just – yeah. And the recipe was there for that loss yesterday. Bad special teams plays. The defense was not up to par, making Garrett Gilbert look like Tom Brady. Yeah, the offense was just out of sync all game. Randy Feekner being very conservative. And then when they finally open up the offense, when, hint, hint, Ben Roethlisberger takes over the play calling, it works. So it's just the whole recipe was there for it because that's usually what happens in their trap games. They were just lucky enough that the Cowboys choked the game away and the defense stepped up in the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, as we were talking about before I started recording I – I'm glued to red zone, so I usually come back to the weird games that didn't really make a ton of sense for just the score flashes. So I've been re-watching the Cowboys and Steelers game. As we're recording, it's still in the third quarter. Pittsburgh has the personnel where they should be able to come out in 11, pretty much every single play. And no one really going four deep at corner. No one has four corners that can cover four receivers and then a linebacker athletic enough that can cover Ebron. I mean, more often than not, if Pittsburgh just chooses to throw the little dip and dunk underneath stuff that has been what they've done this year to be effective, they should be fine against most opponents because there just aren't that many dominant secondaries in football. I mean, they have one of the dominant secondaries, and that's been without... How how long has Mike
1: Hilton been out now? Two weeks? Three weeks? Uh, two games now, yeah. He didn't play against Baltimore. He got hurt in the Tennessee game. Yeah, yeah. That's enough. They... This
0: is the best I've felt about a Steelers team in a while, mostly because they won't have to go through New England to get to the Super Bowl because for whatever reason, when it came down to it, New England just, they survived in those games. New England doesn't win pretty a lot of the time in the playoffs. They break out those double reverse passes where it's Chris Hogan throwing down the field to Danny Amendola or Edelman, or they break out the gimmicky stuff where they line people ineligible on the line of scrimmage. It's one of those things where, For whatever reason, New England has owned Pittsburgh and not having to go through New England this time around is an advantage. And the fact that they have such a good pass rush and that a trip to the Super Bowl probably goes through Kansas City, having an elite pass rush is one of the ways you can give Kansas City problems. I mean, if you remember week two or three, whatever it was, when the Chargers played the Chiefs, yeah, when the Chargers played the Chiefs, the way they forced that game to overtime was just they were sending Bosa and they were getting pressure with four. They were getting pressure with just Nick uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, and um, Mark, Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Um, why am I doing this? Not Evan Ingram. Why can't I think of the edge rusher on the Chargers now? I'm drawing a blank. Not yeah, Melvin Ingram. Excuse me. Melvin. Yeah, Melvin Ingram. Yeah, that's the way I think you beat these heavy pass rushing teams, and we're gonna get to that in a minute. But circling back, because you want to talk about the uh, you and I both want to talk about the difference Ben has made this year as opposed to last year. Because more or less, this is the same personnel on offense, except they dropped Claypool in there. And we, Tomlin deserves the Nobel Peace Prize for keeping the peace as long as he did with the people he had. But he really should have gotten Coach of the Year. Not he really probably should have won Coach of the Year last year for what he did with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph.
1: Yeah, I mean that was honestly probably his best coaching job of all time. You know, the people that like to hate on Mike Tomlin. It's weird. I don't get it. He's one of the top 10 best coaches in football. If he were somehow fired from the Steelers, he would have a job in five seconds. Um, he's just always been underappreciated. I love having him here in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's not perfect. Of course, his in-game management at times has been pretty bad, you know, especially some of those playoff losses when they had the killer reeves. but he's still a great coach. And yeah, with Ben, man, you know, there's been a lot of talk this last week. I think we Co Football Focus mentioned it. Oh, Big Ben's holding the team back. Big Ben is just not playing up to par. The guy has 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. His completion percentage is, I think it's about what, 60% right now. And he doesn't need to be like that gunslinger that he was when he had, you know, AB and on and Martavis Bryant and all that. He just needs to be that the bend that he's playing right, right now, he can dink and dunk it down the field. They use the middle of the field really well when they open up a playbook and they don't be conservative. And his arm is obviously not what it once was. His deep ball has struggled a bunch of times, though he's been hitting on it a couple times a game. But, you know, he doesn't need to do that all the time now. He did all, obviously obviously had to do it with Antonio Brown, but he's just he's been great this year. You know, I, like I said, man, the people that think he's holding the team back, I mean, I don't know if anyone watched Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges last year, but um, it's it's night and day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking to someone who took Big Ben in a 2QB league thinking, this guy's going to be my solid number two. He's going to be your typical 290, three touchdowns, and a pick every single week. And he's giving you more than that. The Steelers are – The Steelers are winning a lot of these close games because their defense is turning the ball over and forcing short fields, And then they're scoring points. At the Mm -hmm. end of the day, this is an offense-centric league. You have to score points to win. If you're going to win these playoff games, these late-season crunch time games, you're going to need 27 to 35 points if you want to have a realistic chance. And it's why I think they're better than the Ravens because they can outscore. Baltimore has a hard time scoring the ball, even if they're getting a short field from their good defense. Pittsburgh consistently one of the better offenses at moving the ball thus far this year. They've scored a lot of points. I mean, their lowest point total this year was what, yesterday? I think they had like twenty. They can actually, yeah. Yeah, something mid-20s. Pittsburgh consistently averaging 28 to 35 points every week, and that defense only giving up low 20s, high teens, that's a good recipe for a successful team. I mean, we'll see. They do have to play Baltimore one more time. We'll see how that goes. I think they're better than Baltimore, like I had mentioned before. Baltimore's offense is worrisome. I mean, even yesterday against Indianapolis, who does, to be fair, have a good defense, had a hard time moving the ball through the air. A lot of that offense comes down to Lamar making people miss. And at the end of the day, if you, uh, your best offensive play is when the play breaks down and it's your quarterback trying to make something happen, it limits your ceiling because a defense like Pittsburgh, that's fast and athletic, they can manage that. They'll give you the underneath. They'll give you the Lamar scramble for six every few plays because they'll keep it in front of them. They're a very athletic defense, very fast defense, and it helps. So, Now I'm looking here over at my rundown of things I want to talk about. Aside from Big Ben being back this year, are there any other things you notice structurally, schematically, attitude-wise that are different from the team compared to last year?
1: I mean, that's a good question. I mean, they play more man, I think. Though yesterday they were playing a lot of zone, which is, I mean, that's not the Steelers' strength. Um, mm. They've never been a good zone coverage team. I mean, you go back to those AFC Championship game against New England; they were playing zone the whole time, and Brady was just picking them apart like it was nothing. I mean, they this is m- a much better team when they play man. I mean, it's just, like, it's just the team. It just feels different. I mean, you know, I've talked about it already on this podcast already. You know, with the offense. The team, it flows better when Ben is just calling the plays schematically. I mean, I think he said in the Ravens game in the second half, he was just drawing up plays on his hand, basically. And, you know, I think that just boils down to just Randy Fiechner not being good enough to call the game early on. Is the offense just, just very out of sync, way too conservative? The runs of second, running on second and nine, second and 10, second and 14, that's just that's just old time boomer level play calling. If you want to call it that you can't win, you can't call those kind of plays and expect to win in this league. And then when they stopped doing that in the second half, hint hint, like they did yesterday and the week before against the Ravens, they carved up the defenses. I mean, big Ben absolutely destroyed the Ravens defense, which is a probably a top five unit in football in the second half. I mean, they were down 10 points going into that second half and led the game-winning drive, and then did the same thing yesterday with just about two minutes to play. So when they want to open up a playbook, this is one of the best offenses in football. They just need to start doing it every single, like just at the beginning of every single game, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw it yesterday with what the Bills did to Seattle. They just came out and threw. They only had 12 rushing attempts in the whole game. And we think of Buffalo as being a more – a slightly more run-heavy team because they have decent running backs and they don't want their quarterback to hurt them. But when they let Josh Allen just go out there and sling it, and they were fine. If you set the tone to throw the ball effectively, it makes running the ball easier too, which is something we don't talk about enough because, you know, when we still watch the network games on a football Sunday, if you watch the Fox or the CBS broadcast, There is some former player in the booth talking about running the ball to establish the pass. (laughs) which just isn't the reality of where football is anymore because the rules are so heavily favored toward passing the ball. The wide receivers are better than they've ever been. The quarterbacks are better than they've ever been. The schemes are better than they've ever been. In this league, you cannot live on running the ball. And that, I think is at least in part why Ben has made such of a difference. I mean, granted, the drop-off from Ben, to who they had playing quarterback last year, is immense. But when Pittsburgh slings it around, when they keep it the chains moving, they stay ahead of the sticks, they play Canadian football where they're getting the first down before third down, they're doing what you need to do. Now, when I think about the Steelers right now, my – my biggest concern for them uh, is probably Ben's health because we know he's reckless at times where he tries to make plays happen when he probably shouldn't because he's not as athletic as he used to be. We know the Steelers season doesn't really start until big Ben's in a walking boot, but do you have any other concerns about the Steelers aside from health going forward?
1: No, they, they just, they got to continue to win out. I mean, they got to get the number one seed. That's my big thing. I mean, if you can get the Chiefs to come to them for the AFC Championship game, if they get there, I'm telling you, they have a really good shot at beating them. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a different atmosphere if you play them at Heinz Field as opposed to Arrowhead. We all know how loud Arrowhead can be. I know it's a different kind of year because it's not going to be a, a packed house there, of course. But I mean, I just feel a lot more comfortable playing the Chiefs at Heinz Field than as opposed to going to KC. I mean, that's their biggest um, competition, I think, in the AFC. You obviously have the Ravens. They ran all over them in that week before, but they were able to stop Lamar Jackson, who has not played well in those two games against the Steelers. I think he has five total interceptions, three or four fumbles or something like that. They they know how to play against him. It's just stopping their running attack uh, has been a big problem on for the Steelers. And then, you know, you have the other teams. I mean, Tennessee, they already beat. I, I still think Tennessee is good, though. Buffalo, I don't really know what to make of the Bills. I mean, I like Josh Allen, but at times he just – is out there look just chucking up prayer after prayer but I mean that's good they're going to play them um in a few weeks on Sunday night football that's going to be a really great game to watch but I mean we all know the big key also you know big gun needs to stay healthy I mean they're not going anywhere without him they the defense needs to keep playing the way they're playing they got to continue to play splash continue to make splash plays Minka Fitzpatrick I can't say enough about him there were some Steelers fans that were kind of just going at him early on in the season. It's just like, well, why isn't he making enough splash plays? Well, it's like, well, the defense just don't target him anymore. And then as you've seen the last couple of weeks when he is targeted, he's just not giving anything up. He sealed the last two games in the final seconds with a pass breakup. So, I mean, those are the big things going forward. They have two games coming up that are, that should be wins. They should be 10 and 0 going into their Thanksgiving night game against Baltimore. But, you know, again, these are trap games. They could very well play down to their competition. Luckily, this game against the Bengals is at home, and then they've won 13 of their last 14 against Cincinnati. So it's going to be an interesting end of the season, but I think right now I expect them at least to get to the AFC championship game.
0: I think that's realistically about where I have them pegged as well. I still think Kansas City is your incumbent until someone knocks them off in a playoff game just because – We saw yesterday, they did not play well against Carolina, but there really wasn't any doubt that they were going to win that game eventually, which is something that I think we can start to say about the Steelers because of the way they beat Tennessee, because of the way they rallied back against Dallas yesterday, that they're starting to trend in the direction of, all right, yeah, they're down, they've got time though, we'll see how it goes down to the end. I think that's realistically the sign of a team you genuinely believe in, is that, no matter how big the deficit is, you realistically feel like there's a chance they can come back. Like yesterday in the Seattle-Buffalo game, I was still pretty convinced Seattle was going to come back and win that game late in the third quarter when it was still a two-possession game. I feel that way again with Pittsburgh. I feel that way about Kansas City. I feel that way about Seattle. I don't feel that way about anyone really in the NFC aside from Seattle. I'll do a more wide-open, non-team-centric episode of the podcast, probably – Going into Friday, going into the football weekend, but the AFC looks significantly better than the A- NFC, at least yeah, to me.
1: Yeah, the AFC, I think, is deeper than the NFC. I mean, we you, you really don't know who's going to come out in either conference. Usually, you know, when, of course, P- Brady was on the Patriots, it was like, oh, well, who's just going to go play the Patriots in the Super Bowl? And then, of course, Mahomes comes in and takes that over. So, I mean, th- yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you, in the AFC, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee, I mean, those are five teams deep right there. I mean, the Dolphins might get in. I mean, the Tua looks awesome down there. The Browns might squeak into a wild card spot, though I'm a little bit skeptical with their OBJ injury. But then, you know, the NFC, I don't know if I trust Seattle's defense. They looked pretty bad yesterday. They looked bad all year. It's just that Russell Wilson has just been a God amongst men. Green Bay, I'm not sure. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is great, but how good is their defense? you may have all – I mean, the NFC – more teams in the NFC West. Arizona's good. The Rams, it looks like, are making a comeback after a down year last year. Um, I don't think the Bears are any good. They started out the season pretty hot. But, yeah, I think overall um, the AFC is – it's deeper than the NFC.
0: So, opening up the conversation a little bit more, looking towards the long-term future of the Steelers, they've got a relatively young core, but obviously – problem going forward will be replacing Roethlisberger. You don't know how many more years you're going to get out of him. I remember when they drafted Mason Rudolph a few years ago thinking, "All right, he was decent at Oklahoma State. If he sits behind Ben for a few years, he could potentially be a starting quarterback. Last year proved he is not a starting quarterback in the NFL. He can be a backup. He can be a spot starter when someone gets hurt, but for more than one or two games, you can't realistically rely on Mason Rudolph to win. Is there anything else aside from quarterback looking at the team right now that you think going forward needs to be addressed?
1: They're they're going to be gutted after this offseason. I mean, Juju's contract is up. I think they need to re-sign him, though. It's going to be tough. Mike Hilton's contract is up. I don't think he's going to be coming back with the money that he's going to want. Bud Dupree's contract is up. Uh, They're not going to franchise him again. He is going to get a ton of money somewhere. They have to pay T.J. Watt coming up pretty soon. He's going to probably be one of the highest paid defensive players uh, in history. I think Minka Fitzpatrick will have a, need a contract in a couple of years. He will also be one of the highest paid safeties in the league. Um, it's it, it's going to be very hard to replace some of these guys. I mean, Mike Hillen, you have Cameron Sutton you can p- put right in there. He's been great. But with Bud Dupree, I mean, it's, it's going to be a huge loss just because of how great he's been the last couple of years. Um, Alex Highsmith of course is going to be that replacement but I mean it's just not going to be the same as Bud. and then for Juju you know some people said well they shouldn't resign him well I mean if you've watched the last few weeks I mean they got to bring him back he's the Steelers number one wide receiver case closed but you know it's just the team is going to look a lot different next year I mean they're tight ends I mean they could potentially cut Vance McDonald I mean Eric Ebron I think only has one year left I mean hopefully he's not a cap casualty but, I mean, it's just the salary cap, is it's not going to do any favors for the Sewers next season, that's for sure. I mean, that's,
0: that's the curse of being a good football team. When you draft good players, they eventually need to get paid, and good teams like Pittsburgh traditionally draft well, and they're able to replace the expensive guys with younger guys. I mean, realistically, I think they drafted Claypool to be Juju's replacement, because i think you can get a comparable level of production from claypool and then just move the rest of the receiving core up a spot i think they'll let connor walk because running back is pretty replaceable it's not like he's anything particularly special he's a fine running back but i think that's the difference between the good teams and the great teams the ones that are able to just plug and play younger guys and slowly bring them along and get production out of them right away i mean Pittsburgh historically has done that really well at wide receiver and at edge rusher where they bring someone in within a year or two, they get their legs under them. TJ Watt took a year and a half to get his feet under him, but he's one of the best edge rushers in football. Now we see, Ooh, yeah, I forgot about that play. I really forgot. They let Cooper rush and uh, Cooper rush Derek Gilbert do that to them, but sorry, I got distracted. Um, Yeah. Pittsburgh historically is, a team that drafts well, and I think that's why they're able to keep so many young guys. Like you were saying, they're going to lose a lot of good players because, you know, they drafted good players or they were able to get young guys and – and excuse me, not young guys, free agents or trade for a guy like Minka who's very good and put them into it. It's a fragile balance to try and make everything work all at once because you have to be able to be competitive when your young guys are on their rookie contracts. That's the key to being good in the NFL. I mean, Kansas City was able to put it together on Mahomes' first deal, give him a good team, and then paid him up front because they knew he's the best quarterback in the league. We're gonna have to see what Pittsburgh does going forward. Do they with their?
1: Do they have their first-round pick this year? Uh, this coming year, yes, they will.
0: Yeah, because they traded what one and one for minka
1: yeah one one first rounder for minka that was he he was their first round yeah yeah so we got to see what they do i mean it's not out of the
0: question that they use a high pick to take a quarterback this year i mean there's five guys who could potentially go in the first round this year and that's even if ben says he wants to come back for the following year which i assuming he does do you think he's good for at least one more
1: season? Do you think he's
0: your starting quarterback opening day 2021?
1: Yeah, he said he's going to honor his contract and play out the rest of his contract, which I believe has, oh, man, um, I think it's two years left. So That one, sounds right. That sounds right. He wants to play a couple more years for the Steelers and then see where his body's at and if he wants to call it a career, he'll call it a career. But, yeah, I would expect him to start next season and potentially the season after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, does anyone in the draft class of – that's not Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance jump out at you. I know – I don't know how much BYU football you've watched. I don't know how much Florida you've watched. But Trask looks decent. I can't – why can't I think of Mormon Menzel's name? Why can't I think of that guy's actual name? (laughs) Hang on, hang on. I know this is terrible radio. Hang on, hang on.
1: BYU kid's not bad. I haven't watched a lot of him, but from the stuff I've seen, he's looked pretty good in the Florida.
0: Zach Wilson, yes. Sorry to Zach Wilson. I I won a nice bit of money betting on you on Friday night football last week against Boise State. Thank you, Zach Wilson. I like what I see from him. He's got a very Russell Wilson toolbox. He's comfortable moving around. He's got a strong arm. He directs traffic down the field mid-play like Russell Wilson does. He's taller than Russell Wilson, which I'm sure talent evaluators will like. But yeah. And any other glaring problems with the way the team is set up? I know they're going to probably lose one, if not two guys, but going forward, you feel relatively confident in the way the team is set up that they'll be able to draft guys or sign guys to fill in the holes.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that. I mean, you know, with Bud Walking, we'll put Alex Highsmith next to TJ, with Mike Hilton leaving, we'll put Cameron Sutton there. And then, you know, they'll have to figure out what they want to do with Juju. You know, if they, if he, they let him walk, they'll go out and draft someone. That's just what they've been doing for since – the, honestly the beginning of time because they're just the best draft team drafting wide receivers. But, you know, they always build their team through the draft. The Steelers have never believed in going out into free agency and winning free agency, as they like to call it. I mean, they'll go out and dip their toes into it, you know, with Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, because that was actually needed. They're, they are terrible at drafting cornerbacks and they always have been. So, I mean, that's, I'm glad I trust Kevin Colbert a lot more with that, but, you know, I trust him with everything else through the draft But, you know, this will still be a competitive team next season and the season after that as long as Big Ben is healthy because they still do have a lot of good pieces.
0: The last thing I wanted to talk to you about was your confidence level with the team's talent evaluation because in football especially, there are teams that just have really bad blind spots when it comes to evaluating talent. I mean, the Giants are really bad at it. The Patriots are really bad at it with wide receivers. The Jets are bad at, uh, bad at it with pretty much everything. How do you feel about the Steelers' talent evaluation process? Because like we've been saying, they draft very well, but they do miss on corners. How do you feel wholesale about their talent evaluation as a front office?
1: It's mostly pretty good. I mean, wide receivers, we know. Like I, I've talked about that 500 times. Slam dunk. Running back, that's been mostly a slam dunk. I mean, James Conner was a great pick. Obviously, they picked Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that was... Honestly, one of the best picks I've ever seen them have. Quarterback, I mean, eh, you know, Mason Rudolph is – that's who he is. I mean, I don't think anyone expected him to be a competent backup. People thought he was going to be a starter. Give him win some, you lose some with that. Offensive line, I mean, they, they look like they have some studs. And, you know, Okafor, you know, Filer, and they got Villanueva. I mean, he's had a great year. A lot of people like to pick on Villanueva um, for other kind of takes that aren't related to football, which I won't discuss on here. But, you know, he has been very solid – overall um so their offensive line is great defensive line's been good I mean Stefan Tua came hit came Hayward are just just great picks Tyson Alualu, no one really knew who he was up until this year but he's a key component of that defense they're really great at evaluating defensive line play Isaiah Bugs is great um this I don't know that number 99 guy that's on the team you know it looks like Brett Kiesel reincarnated kind of the Mondo Brett Keisel. Looks like a, that guy looks like he's in like Leonard Skinner or something like that. But um, <laughs> linebacker, I mean, that's mostly been pretty good too. I mean, Devin, yeah. Bill, the fact that they got it back aggressive for him shows that they knew that Shazier wasn't going to come back. So they were like, we got to replace this right now. I mean, at that, there were times though, you know, when they were signing players like Sean Spence and then they were putting players in like Jarvis Jones. And, you know, they learned from those mistakes. Vince Williams, they stuck with him, he's been outstanding. They also trusted Bud Dupree a lot more. I mean, his first few years in the league, he wasn't that good. But, you know, they trusted him with the system, and he's been outstanding the last couple of years. And always it's been the secondary. That's their biggest misses. You know, Justin Lane, they had that whole Artie Burns fiasco. That was one of the worst first-round picks I think Kevin Colbert has ever made. They signed Antoine Blake, Ross Cockrell. They held on to Ike Taylor for way too long. But something inside them clicked. And they were like, you know what? If we're not going to draft these guys well, let's go out and sign them or trade for them. They traded for Minka. They drafted Terrell Edmonds a little bit, a little too high from my album, alma That's Of course, that's Virginia Tech. But he's played better this year. And then, you know, getting Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden, great moves. So, you know, the big thing is with them, they learn from their mistakes and they know what their limitations are you know, with how bad drafting corners are. But for the most part, they're very, very good at drafting and building the team, and they don't have too many weaknesses as there used to be. Yeah. As someone whose football
0: team just kind of throws shit at the wall and guesses, I'm envious that Pittsburgh has such a well-assembled front office and that they actually draft well and they actually kind of know what they're doing, unlike the Giants who just kind of guess. I mean, they drafted what was supposed to be the safest of the four left tackles in the first round, and he looks horrendous. He's the lowest-graded PFF offensive lineman of any rookie. Not great, Andrew Thomas. Not great. Dave Gettleman, baby. Yeah. Uh, The computer folks are working on it. I've been assured that the computer folks uh, that Dave Gettleman hired are working on it.
1: We just we, we just need we just need grandpa Mike to come back and just chew on Dave Kettleman again on sports talk radio in New York. I just need that. We need that in our lives for 2020.
0: Yeah. It, Mike doesn't even care anymore. Even his tweets are lazy at this point. He's just so bored of everything.
1: Um, Hunter, anything you'd like to plug before I let you go? Uh, no, man, not really. Um, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I mean, my Twitter, if you guys want to follow me and See me just roast the Steelers all the time, even though they're 8-0. and um, At Hunter Hodies, my last name, H-O-D-I-E-S. I'm pretty sure you guys can spell Hunter. Um, if you guys like hockey? I do a Penguins podcast, although the people that probably listen to this podcast are not Penguins fans. Um, but still, I do that. I do some writing. But uh, yeah, just follow me on there. And um, thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, man, of course. I'm sure once we
0: have a better idea of what hockey season is going to look like, I will have you on at some point to talk about the Penguins, but we're still a few weeks away from even knowing when hockey's going to start. So once we get a better idea, I'll have you back on. got to start working my way around the league and reaching out to as many people as I can with, for as many different teams as I can to get an idea of what the landscape of the league is going to look like. Cause right now we have no earthly idea. Hunter, I hope you have a good rest of your day. I hope Virginia Tech doesn't lose to – who does
1: Virginia Tech play this weekend? Miami, yeah. I'm glad yeah. I got the Virginia Tech reference in at the end because it is a disaster down in Blacksburg <laughs> right now. You should go on uh, 247 Sports and take a look at it. I mean, I I, I I was on the fence. I want them all gone. I can't do it anymore. Man. We can have a Virginia Tech episode. We'll see how the Miami game
0: goes this weekend. Yeah, if, if they, they lose – Yeah. If, if they like, lose to Miami as a four-point favorite, I'll – we can have a Virginia Tech episode and you can have a two-week recurrence on the podcast.
1: Yeah, that's, that's perfect, man, because right now it is it is a nuclear war in, in Blacksburg. Tech fans, are, we are just fed up with Justin Fuente and everyone. All right, folks.
0: Wednesday, probably. I think I have an episode about the Minnesota Vikings lined up for Wednesday. On that note, I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Chase Elliott. Congrats on the cup win. See you guys soon.